You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with Dr. Megan Lertz. Hi there. Hello. Good to see you again. Thanks for being here. How about you take 15 seconds and introduce yourself? Okay. So yes, I am Megan and um, I do a lot of things, I guess, in financial planning uh, and this world of financial psychology. I am the senior research associate for the Kitsis platform and I'm a professor of practice slash lecturer slash other type of professor um, at different different universities. I teach at Columbia University, um, Kansas State University, and I teach a little bit at Maryland and soon to be teaching a class or two at the American College on the financial psychology stuff. So yeah, stay pretty busy, I suppose. You are definitely pretty busy. We were just chatting about a study you just finished for the Kitsis platform. Uh, really cool insights from that. Can you share a little bit about what you did and what you learned? Yeah, so uh, Dan Inveen and myself and Michael just finished up the uh, process it, we call it our process studies, so like that we call it how financial planners do financial planning. And we ask all kinds of stuff about how many meetings they have, how big are their teams, who's doing this, how many hours does this take, you know, d- the different technologies and things like that that you might use or employ for those meetings. And one of the things that I sort of found most striking that I was really kind of surprised to find was that we were looking at like, you know, different size advisors teams and looking at how then the time that the advisor spends and the way that they spend their time, like, would that change? You know, because a lot of people, I myself had thought, okay, yeah, I'm hiring someone to remove some of this time that I'm spending, you know, to be able to go do other things, you know, like, I feel like I'm hiring somebody to create some efficiencies so that I can go do X. But in reality, we really didn't, see that we sort of found that you know advisors were sort of spending the same amount of time about 20 hours a week doing advisor work regardless of how many advisors were in their practice and so then it you know just got me thinking about so you know if what you were wanting to do was was change your work like maybe you were wanting to take more vacation or not work on Fridays or something like that that may not really be what's happening just because you hired someone, which I think is probably kind of shocking to think about. Um, but then, you know, th- then that just comes back around to, well, if if hiring someone doesn't do it, you know, like what, what then would? And um, there's been a number of people on Michael's podcast uh, recently, a, a woman named Libby, now her last name just went out of my brain, but she talks about what she does, you know, all these different sort of techniques for thinking about managing your week and creating like the perfect week. And that that's been a way for her to actually change the time that she spends uh, in client meetings different than different than just hiring people that would hopefully do this or that, which which we're kind of seeing doesn't necessarily work. Um, so I just I don't, I don't know why I found that so profound. Um because we think about that too within like the therapy space, you know, you wouldn't as a therapist, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe there are some super, super extroverted therapists, maybe like yourself, Ross, that um, 
you know, they could literally spend all day, every day, because they get so much energy from talking to people that they could do more meetings in a day. But most therapists don't usually have more than, you know, two or three clients a day. So, you know, in a five day week, we're talking like 15 people because you just, you run out of emotional energy, you know, to be able to do what you do. And I think that um, advisors also, you know, run out of that emotional energy in the, in many of the ways that they show up, you know, so deeply and empathically uh, for their clients. And so instead of, instead of thinking about, um, you know, a lot of tech firms, I think, and, and even a lot of uh, industry people seem to think that like the best financial planner would be the financial planner that can just do financial plans back to back to back, like a, like an assembly line, you know, like they're going to be like the Ford model T of financial planning. And because our job is a human job, as much as it is a knowledge job, there's just, there's a limit, you know, there's a limit to how much knowledge work a person can do in a day. Um, and there's a person, there's a limit to kind of like how much emotional work we can do in a day and advisors are doing both. And I, I think that r- recognizing that, then that changes how we think about efficiencies, you know, that changes how we might want to hire someone and what we might, what we might actually want that person to do. Um, if your goal, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but it's, it's advisors asking themselves, you know, am I running to something or running from something? The same, the same way that we would ask that for our clients, you know, when they're thinking about retirement, well, you know, are you hating your job? Or, and so you're running from your job and you're willing to do anything to get out of this job? Or are you running to just the idea of more time with grandkids? You know, these are very different things that may have the same result, quit your job. But, you know, why we're doing one, some of that psychology underneath why it's happening is is the more interesting part and, and the more dynamic part. Um, yeah. So I think just... It's a process study, you know, again, about how financial planners are like running their business and stuff, but it has so many further reaching, you know, the ripple out effect of what that means in the time that we spend with our clients and and, and how we feel at the, at the end of the day and, and how we recharge and, and what we need to do that. It's really interesting to think about your typical financial planner where we may be hiring other advisors and we have this mentality, uh, you know, we often say on this end from the the conference end is advisors are most interested in growing their practice and managing their practice. And those are two common drivers. So if I think of of managing the practice, I always want to buy capacity. I always want to build capacity, whether it's um, organizational capacity or organizational competence that, that allows me to do more. But there's always going to be a why behind the capacity. And maybe we're guilty of assuming this is the why behind the capacity so they can take Fridays off, they can golf more, they can have more leisure time, they can leave the office early. Maybe we're making these assumptions, but buying capacity is probably way more dynamic than we thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and how then if it's not just hiring another financial planner, that's going to make you any more efficient, but then being more mindful about, I suppose, what we intend for that person to do and, and how we intend for that to change what we're doing. You know, that that's the other part. You know, there are times when you will have to let go instead of just bolting on, you know, additional financial advisors. So yeah, it just brings up different ideas to think about, which I like that. So <laughs> um, it's fun. 
Yeah, one of the cool parts about learning and, and reading research is uh, I, I finally come to the place in life, I think, where I realize that nothing is as simple as I think it is at first, that, that things are so much more complex and dynamic that, than I ever thought. And uh, I know the human brain loves to fill in gaps and we want one plus one equals two and make it nice and clean. And I figured it out and I got it. But uh, at this point, I'm not sure there's much I really figured out, although I understand a little. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's just part of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just speaking of stuff to like try to figure out and, you know, dig a little bit deeper, uh, a project that I'm going to be working on with with Carol um, from Money Quotient. Um, so I, I'm kind of just like obsessed with this statistic about widows, you know, leaving their financial advisors. I I just I don't believe it in, in a sense. I mean, I believe the statistic. I believe that it happens. But I don't really like the explanation that we're giving because it feels insufficient and very one-sided. Normally you see something like, oh, you know, 80% of widows leave their financial advisor within within a year of losing their spouse or partner. And I believe that's true. But then you usually read a bunch of commentary in the article about how, um, <clears throat> you know, the spouse wasn't happy. They didn't feel that they were being spoken to. Um, and certainly we read those statistics. There was one just recently, I saw it on Twitter, um, where, you know, only uh, like 30% of women in financial planning relationships were uh, content with their financial advisor. You know, and as a woman, I'm like, oof, that's yuck. You know, like, I really like my financial advisor. That's really not good. 30 seems like too much you know, but that's, that's negative framing. <laughs> and as an, as an advisor who studies behavioral finance, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, on the flip side of that, 70% of women are actually pretty happy with their advisor. Um, so, you know, it's like, we have all these, we have all these overlapping like Venn diagrams, you know, so you've got like the 30% that are unhappy. Okay. I understand why they leave, but we've got the 70% that are happy, but then we've got the 80%, you know, that kind of that change. And so it's like happy people are changing. So it can't just be, oh, this crappy relationship with an advisor just drives everybody batty and they've finally had enough and somehow losing their partner, which is a horrible thing, was yet the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of the financial planning relationship. It's like, I mean, you're important, but you're not that important. You know, that's just crazy. And so I, I just think that there's more to it. And there's a lot of research in, in therapy and psychology that show, you know, that the that the widow typically, you know, changes friend groups, which we don't typically think of people's friends as terrible. And then one day they wake up and they're like, oh, these friends are terrible. You know, I, now that my partner is gone, I recognize their terribleness. And now I need a new group of friends. Like, that's not what they're thinking. They're, they, they were couples. And now they're a single person and not that you wouldn't be friends with them, but you did like couples do, you know, they have like board game night. And if you're just like the third wheel or something, you know, that feels uncomfortable. So they change friend groups, they change hobbies, they change social behaviors. And nobody looks at that statistic and says, oh, these are just terrible things that they were doing. But we do look at advisors and say, oh, you were just terrible advisors. And so I really just, I hate this because I don't think it makes a lot of sense, or I think it's very one-sided. Um, and so anyway, Carol's got some cool data. And so we're going to investigate that a little bit further about, you know, just, just the idea of 
having a shift, it's kind of what we're talking about today, um, you know, and just having this sort of major transition in your life, I don't know that it's necessarily about bad relationships and good relationships. It's as a financial advisor, the thing I think the thing we should care about more is this idea of how to be there during that transition. You know, there will be unhappy, there will be unhappy clients that leave. That makes sense. There could be happy clients that leave, but I think there could be fewer happy clients that leave if we were better at understanding how our clients are shifting, how our clients are changing, how to stay on top of that. Um, and, and and that's, again, it's not a bad, I take the responsibility of that as an educator within financial planning and financial therapy. That's not what I taught my students. I didn't teach my students that. So I can't expect them to know. Um, so I, I definitely take the responsibility of that more than I would place it on advisors alone. But certainly now that we know things like that, and hopefully doing some research with Carol, you know, shed some more light on that. And actually figure that out. You know, can can we bring down that eighty percent number, um, or is there another way, another perspective that will allow us to understand really what's going on in that in that relationship dynamic that we haven't really understood before? So, yeah, that, that's it. That's interesting work. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And again, it goes back to it isn't always as simple as it appears when you look at the statistic. And I'm sure there's plenty of truth in that. But there's also, as you mentioned, it's just part of transitions. There's a there's an ending, there's a new beginning, and people are moving on and they see things differently. Uh, I know I've experienced it as an advisor of people that have moved on that I really thought we had a good relationship with. And it just mm -hmm. seems to come out of the blue that they need to move on and go somewhere else. And, and of course, you analyze and think, okay, what could I have done differently? Was I connected enough? And it it, uh, it truly may not have been me. It may have been just that person needed to move into someplace new. Well, we're going to have a lot of those topics at the conference coming up. You're you're going to be at Shift. You've uh, brought in and helped uh, bring in some speakers from the yeah. academic side. Uh, how about you talk a little bit about the conference? Well, again, I'm I'm really just excited to be around around everybody that's going to be there. And yes, uh, myself, Ed Combs, uh, Dr. Cherry Preston, and Dr. Sarah Acevedo will be kind of working together, almost like in teams of two, um, thinking about different ways, sort of the same client, the same situation, but then two different ways. Maybe you could think of it as you know, uh, sort of like financial psychology light and financial psychology slight deeper, you know, in, in terms of how you might work with this client going through this thing, because that that's the deal. You know, I, I was actually just talking to my students last night at Kansas State University talking about financial therapy and what financial therapy is. And, you know, are all financial planners going to be financial therapists and stuff like that? And my my biggest thing is that we all want to be good communicators. We want to be good communicators because we care about our clients and we want our clients to be good communicators with us. And there there's absolutely zero reason why therapists and psychologists should have the market on best communication. <laughs> um, and they are great at that. We can learn so many things from them. Um, but there's, you know, more than one way to do it. You know, there's there's more than one conversation to have that depending on sort of where you are on that spectrum, like if you're more it, like I always dis I define oftentimes the difference between me and another person who's going to be at your conference, I believe uh, Dr. Megan McCoy, you yeah. know, she is a marriage and family therapist. 
Uh, Dr. McCoy and I both teach at Kansas State, and uh, I think probably we joke, but I think the students kind of think it's real that I'm the mean Megan and she's the nice Megan. Because you know, she's gotten all this communication training where she's so empathic and just so lovely to be around and so kind and you really feel that. And then you talk to me, who's, you know, less trained <laughs> than Dr. McCoy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't care about the fact that your dog ate your homework. Where she'd be like, Oh, tell me more about that. Um, so <laughs> just like the difference between the two. We can we can both be with clients, you know, but we're gonna be with clients in a deeper way and or she may be in a deeper way than me. But either way, both of us are showing up with strong communication skills. And so hopefully at this conference, they'll be well at the conference, not and not even hopefully is what we're gonna do. We'll be juxtaposing these sort of slightly different approaches to the same client or client issue and sort of giving a, a light version and a slightly deeper version of two different ways to approach that hopefully people will come out feeling like, oh, yeah, this this one feels more comfortable right now. But, you know, I could work towards this one eventually if if I'm into that, you know, like maybe you're not. And that's OK, too. Um, so it's, it's not about turning everybody into a financial therapist or anything like that. It's just helping everybody to sort of meet them where they're at, provide some different ideas, provide a space to kind of talk about how does that feel? You know, which, which one feels better to you right now? What type of training, you know, would you want to get, or do you think you would need in order to do this one or that one? You know, there's not a lot as much as we train our financial advisors to do, you know, backdoor Roth strategies. We don't do as much training. I think it's more of it's coming uh, now that especially the CFP board has, you know, kind of like christened the psychology stuff. Yes, yes. I know a few people in that book. Um, and, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um now that you know that they've pushed for more of that, I think that's great. I think a lot of financial planners inherently knew that. You know, they knew that to be a good financial planner or to be an efficient financial planner or and just to be a, a person, you know, like you needed to do some of these psychology things. But now that those are a little bit more front and center, I do think we'll have more opportunities like the shift conference or financial therapy or money quotient or the sudden money people or um the life planning people like you know, it would be amazing if if more advisors, you know, were not only aware of different options that are out there shaping wealth, they also have a great uh, training program. Uh, so th there's lots of things that are out there to help advisors do this at at varying levels and degrees and, and just trying to understand how much of it you want to do and, and what training is available for you to do that. I think that that's exciting and, and a lot of that will be coalescing uh, at at the shift conference which is cool and and i'm with you the we need more awareness with that and and that's of course the driver behind shift it's the it's the big tent event we're we're trying to be the connector bring the advisors to the groups that you mentioned and other ones out there because and i liked what you said that you know you'll as an advisor you may connect with one way to do it as opposed to another and that's how i see all the partners coming in like shaping wealth and financial therapy and financial transitionists there's something that's going to reg resonate with advisors who are into human first financial guidance. And if we can bring everybody together, they're going to get their connections. And the cool part is, is what resonates now with me may be part of my journey for the next year or two. 
And then I'm going to add on to that three or four years from now. And if we can keep everybody together, I think it's going to be transformational. So thanks so much for being part of the conference. I love that you brought some of those people there. We, With what we're trying to do, we have to have an academic foundation to it. And um, I'm not the academic guy and I'm an advisor. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of academic people coming. So it's there is. So I'm, I'm glad we, we've got them in there. Looking forward to having you out at the event and meeting you in person. Uh, Dr. Megan Lurch, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.